Can I use a summoning circle to find a girlfriend? If glass is made of sand, why can't I see through the beach? All of these questions you can find the answer to on This, this Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, the comedy slash paranormal podcast where every week myself and my co-investigator slash best friend, best friend for life, Kit Greer Malvena, we, we, we team up, we, we tag team, we double team a paranormal case and come to a conclusion at the end of the podcast whether or not it truly is paranormal or not. Sometimes it's a double yes, sometimes it's a double no, and I don't want to get people too excited about this week's case, but today's episode is a Rory original. What does that mean? That means I left it too late to submit a script to our researcher Amy. <laughs> So at 1 a.m. last night, Rory oh, no. had to scour the dark web. 1 a.m. today. 1 a.m. today. <laughs> it was today. It was literally hours ago I had to find this case, put on a pot of coffee, and I was typing away into the darkness of the night. And you know why I was up so late? Mother f- because you look terrible I you look terrible i stumbled on something voice, big is your voice gonna be like this the whole episode what whispery thin and whispery and a little weird yeah it might be i think the coffee was a little too hot when it went down your gullet <laughs> last night and i think it scalded the thing i uncovered something huge oh yeah and i shouldn't actually say that i uncovered it specifically because it was an email submission <laughs> <laughs> right uh, a great suggestion from kyle copeland who said I love how simple this is. Patron here. How about this one? And then sent a link to the case. The only emails that are more simple than that is when someone writes the name of the episode they're suggesting in the subject line of the email, and then the body of the email is completely empty. Yeah. Big fan of that one too. We get it. You know, if you're submitting these paranormal cases, you want to protect your identity. Uh, You want to remain anonymous in some cases. We appreciate that Kyle Copeland lives at 23 Manyard Street. There's no, there's no need to give away their home address. I That's just want, crazy. in case there's any fans that also live nearby and want to connect with Kyle, uh, his kids go to school uh, just 20 How minutes from the local this? church. I'm I looking, did a little research. I'm, I had to do a background check on this motherfucker. Do you want to know where his wife went to Is that what school? you spent all night <laughs> researching instead of the case? Do you have a case to <laughs> present? Kyle. I'm researching Kyle. This guy's not all he cracks up to be. Let me tell you. Uh, Look, I I don't want to dilly-dally too long at the start of the podcast. I'm just trying to express how amazing the story that we have this week is. You know, I've investigated a lot of UFO stories. I'm a guy that thinks they've seen it all. They've heard it all. But today's case, it made me put on my tinfoil hat for the first time in years. I felt like I was baby Rory investigating my first UFO. Is that because this is the first time in months that Rory has done any work researching the case himself? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, something about this one, man. I really feel like I'm close to it. Not just because it was finished seven minutes ago and I researched it today. All I'm saying is I hope this case doesn't have the vibe of like, you know, people who are really into like smoking weed and they're like, man, it just helps me be more creative, dude. And then they play you the song that they wrote while they were high. And it's bad. Right, right. You're worried I'm just that. worried that this could be a like, uh, bro, I found the craziest case at 2 a.m. after I drank a pot of coffee yeah. and I'm presenting it to you five minutes later. I'll be honest, huge portions of this are just illegible. It's it's kind of it's a fever dream now looking back at it. I, I felt like I was in the zone, but some of this is barely uh, English. Um, but we're going to we're going to make our way through it as best we can. Okay. Do, you know, do you know how you can tell that this is a case kit? 
that the man are trying to shut down that they don't want us to record? Go on. Because the AC is broken in the studio <laughs> to the point where it's so cold, they're trying to freeze us out so we can't record this podcast. And people who are watching on YouTube or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram who are watching clips from this podcast, you'll be able to see Kit and I are both in coats. I'm wearing a fleece. I have a woolly hat on the studio. My nose is running. We have little cherry red cheeks <laughs> and red noses because we're not getting... We're not getting frozen out of this case. We we arrived to this studio today, and the studio manager was like, "Oh, bad news, guys! Uh, <laughs> oh, the AC." He he. I just put saw him put a screwdriver in his back pocket too, <laughs> like he just been fucking about with. He's like, "Oh, AC's broken, guys. I guess. Oh, you might have to come back another day, unfortunately." And we were like, "Oh, it's it's cool." We'll put AC's broken. That's no problem. We have a big important case to get to the bottom of, so we're gonna record anyways. Like, fuck, really? Um, <laughs> Yeah, he was like, all right, go ahead then. Operation Frostbite was a fail. Operation Frostbite was a fail. Copy that. These guys are hard as nails. I repeat, hard as nails. <laughs> we're not going to let it get in our way, and we're going to investigate this case. But first, a quick word from today's sponsors. Now, today's case kit is not only referred to as Canada's Roswell, but also it's regarded as one of the most convincing UFO stories of all time. Jesus, I wonder if I've and ever missed heard it. of it. Can you believe it? So Canada's Roswell, I mean, they do a lot of things better in Canada than in the USA. Um, healthcare. Healthcare, politics. Maple syrup, hockey. Gun control. Uh, the weed. list goes on. Weed is legal. USA is catching up on weed. Canada's great, isn't it? So maybe they do UFOs better too. We're going to find out in today's case. Just like the story of Kit and Rory, we begin our journey today in a small fishing village. Now, before we get into the case, I want to say I don't want to hear any jokes or any giggling when I say the name of the village. Okay, because this is a serious paranormal case. I'm a serious guy. I don't and know. Just because the village has a funny name, it doesn't mean that this is a funny story. So with that in mind, it's 1967 and we're in Shag Harbor. All right, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, that is, I do agree with you. It, this is very serious, but that is going to be hard for our British It's going to come up a lot, all right? To move past. It's going to come up a lot, because a lot of this all takes place in Shag Harbor. <laughs> our protagonist, Austin Powers. <laughs> Shag Harbor is located at the northern tip of Nova Scotia. And while small, this little community was about to become host to one of the best documented and most believable UFO cases in the world. Nova Scotia, the only bit of Canada I have been to. I've got some family in Nova Scotia. In fact, this is a part of Canada where we might feel most at home, Rory, because as two people... Uh, as shaggers. <laughs> as the, top oh shaggers. Yeah, I definitely think we'll feel at home in Shag, Shag Harbor. <laughs> uh, as two people who grew up in uh, Ulster, there's a ton of uh, all the people from Ulster and the Ulster Scots who moved over to Canada in the 1700s, this is where they ended up. Really? In Nova Scotia, because it's the closest bit. Well, these fishermen from Shag Harbor caught a little more than they bargained for. And it all started one night in October 1967. A night that started like any other. Families tucking their kids into bed. Bars closing for the evening. Everyone returning to their homes to get some shut-eye. But those eyes would never shut. <laughs> 
<laughs> because this night was just getting started. All right, Rory was in his poetry bag last night at I... 2 a.m. <laughs> he's, he's feeling the Tim Hortons coffee flowing through his veins. I just, I'm so excited because I'm the only one in theory right now that knows what's about to happen. And it's about to happen. The first incident, while flying en route to Toronto, First Officer Robert Ralph pointed out to the captain that there was something strange flying out the left side of his aircraft. In the report, the captain described an object following alongside them on the same path, same speed, and same trajectory just a few miles away. The captain described it as brilliantly lit, a rectangular object with a string of smaller lights trailing behind it. Ralph Lowinger, the co-pilot, was so stunned that he immediately radioed down to ground control in Boston. Boston, this is co-pilot Low Winger on flight 305 to Toronto. Have you got us on radar? Uh, we sure do. You're on our screens. Well then, tell me, who the hell is that at our 11 o'clock? There was a pause. Ground control seemed confused. We don't have anybody out there on radar. Low Winger put down his weed cookie edible. <laughs> he had eaten quite enough for that night. I mean, this was crazy. He was being told there was no object while looking out the window at the object. That means whatever that thing is, ain't radioing down to Toronto to let them know they're coming. Yeah, because radar, you don't even have to radio or have a connection to be radar. Radar picks you up. That's the vibe. That's why radar can like pick up, I don't know, f***ing whales or uh, submarines, you know? Mm -hmm. Even if they want to stay hidden, the radar is going to get you. Right. Uh, I mean, I think the only things of this world that we know about would maybe be some kind of advanced stealth bomber yeah. or something which might be able to repel those waves. But the story only got crazier. Just moments later, at 7.19pm, both pilots described seeing a sizable, silent explosion near the large object. Whoa. Two minutes later, a second explosion, which faded into a blue cloud around the object. What the hell? This isn't even the story, by the way. I need you to know that. This is the little thing that happens. This is an ad for Squarespace. <laughs> this is... This, I'm just I'm just wetting your appetite right now. All I'm saying is, if this story right now was Lord of the Rings, we haven't even left the f***ing Shire yet. Okay. We're still eating potatoes, drinking beer, dancing on the tables at the bar. Right, this is Rory at 1.17 a.m., barely even getting started into his night of research. And you didn't need to be in a plane to see this thing. Dozens of bystanders on the ground reported seeing the same strange events. Bizarre orange lights flying through the night sky, flashing in sequences. Daryl Dory, his sister Annette, and his mother say that they saw, quote, a large object maneuvering above the southwestern horizon. Daryl said he had never seen anything like it in his life. Coming from Daryl, that says a lot. One boat captain while aboard his ship and the ship has a funny name, and I don't want you to make fun of it because it's a serious case. All right. Is it no, called Shag in the, in it the, in the doesn't title? have Shag <laughs> okay. in the name. The SS Nickerson of Sambro. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> Everyone's a top shagger who lives in Shag Harbor, and they have a boat named after Nickers? <laughs> these people are obsessed. Uh, the captain of the SS Nickerson claimed that he witnessed four different blips on his radar of objects traveling through the sky. When he called attention to it, his crew of over 20 men stood on the deck of the Nickerson and watched in awe as the objects lit up the dark sky above them. 
After seeing this, the captain radioed the rescue coordination center and the harbor in Halifax, demanding an explanation for the lights. He also filed a report with the Royal Canadian Mountie Police. And you can actually see the report. I have it here. What the hell did he want the Mounties to do? They travel on horseback. They got cute red coats. <laughs> they don't. They can't do anything about a Death Star <laughs> silently exploding in the sky. You, you are, I mean... Hey, we all respect the Mounties, then? but uh, I don't know if that's their jurisdiction. But there is no jurisdiction. The guys that you usually call are the ones that come in, shoot a couple people in the back of the head, and then say it never happened. <laughs> so maybe it is good to get the horse people involved. At this point, Kit, we have pilots in the sky claiming they've seen it. We've got ship captains and their crew claiming that they've seen this thing in the sky. And by the way, we're still in the Shire. <laughs> okay, I, I, we get it. Our we story it. hasn't even begun yet. Please keep the details coming. We would, we would love to know. We would love to get, get to Mordor. Hear about Mordor. I mean, hey, isn't it a testimony to how great this case is that we're this early on in the story? We've got this much evidence and eyewitness testimonies, and I haven't even, I haven't even mentioned the thing we're investigating. <laughs> I get yet. it. We're not. We haven't <laughs> left the Shire. You get, but I at some just don't but think at, you do get it. But at some point, we need to leave the Shire, though. And like even Frodo was like, he didn't have a lot of resistance to leaving leaving the the Shire. And I feel like I don't know if you're protesting too much here that you're like delaying the inevitable that we leave the Shire. I'm just saying me and the listeners are very ready to leave the Shire. Okay, just but just I just want to make sure that we all know that in this huge journey we're about to go on right now, we're smoking f***ing buckwheat in a grass field. At this point, the Mounties were becoming overwhelmed with reports of glowing lights and floating objects. It felt like these sightings were never going to stop, but they were all building to a dramatic conclusion. RCMP here. How can we help? Holy f***ing sh I'm down by the harbor! We all just saw a f***ing plane crash into the ocean! You gotta get down here! Again, vastly overestimating the skills of the Mounties. Right. Let's get the Navy involved. Let's get, let's get, <laughs> yeah. let's get the Coast Guard involved. We're on horses! I don't know what you want me to do. It's in the sea, I'm on a horse. Darth Vader, the Sith Lord, has infiltrated the village! He's force-choking me! You're <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't even have guns. I have a little stick that hangs on my belt. What is that going to do against a Sith Lord? I mean, this is this is one of the bizarrest claims that we've had with an extraterrestrial sighting. Sure. This isn't a little smudge in the sky or a strange glowing light. These people are saying they saw some sort of commercial airliner go down and crash into the ocean. You know, when you get a call like this, you're obviously going to be a little bit skeptical. So the Mountie who received the call went to go talk to his fellow constable whose name I'm about to say. There's no way. And I don't want any giggles or chuckles about oh, the name. Oh, here we are. Cor Corporal Muncher. I What is it? What is it? The constable who worked at Shag Harbor was Ron Pound. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. The Mountie went over to Ron Pound and said, Constable Pound, we've had a few reports of strange lights in the sky. Do you think it's worth checking out? Luckily, it didn't take much to convince Constable Ron Pound because he had literally seen the lights himself earlier that night. His testimony said that he saw four lights all attached to one craft flying in the sky that seemed to be at least 60 foot long. So the Mounties headed down to the harbor where over 11 witnesses had seen the event. And they weren't saying that they'd seen something in the sky or heard a little noise. These people were saying that they'd heard a whistling sound, quote, 
like a bomb, <laughs> then a whoosh, and finally a loud bang before watching what looked like an aircraft with glowing lights crash from the sky down into the water. By the time the Mounties reached the shore, the ordeal was almost over. Constable Pound, joined by two fellow officers, pushed their way to the front of the crowd to see if they could make anything out in the water. He claimed that as he looked out into the darkness, he saw a yellow light slowly dip into the icy waters below. What does that mean? Some of the craft itself? Or maybe like he just witnessed the last part of it sinking down into the ocean? Right, right, right. Uh, who knows? It, but it seems like he's convinced he saw something going down and disappearing into the water. At this point, no one really has a reason to believe that this is a UFO. It's got to be some sort of plane crash, right? Commercial or otherwise. Yeah, like, I mean, we're looking at this through the lens of this paranormal life. So we're looking for a UFO, but a lot of the shock factor for those people is like, oh my God, are people dying? Are people okay? Do they need rescued? A hundred percent. I mean, that's where your that's where your mind would go. And that's exactly where their minds did go. Um, the first thought was, what if there were people on the craft that needed to be rescued ASAP? So as soon as they were ready, boats were sent out to investigate the scene. While the Coast Guard and other local boats headed out to the site of the crash, the Mounties called the Rescue Coordination Center in Halifax to report the incident. Hello, RCC? We want to report a horrific plane crash at Shag Harbor. The Mounties are on the scene and we're looking for survivors now. The voice on the line was confused. Uh, we have no missing aircraft. Whatever you're talking about, it isn't a plane. By this time, the men on the boats had reached the site where Constable Pound had witnessed the light sink into the water. And while the light was gone, evidence of the crash still remained. I'm just going to jump in there. Mm -hmm. If I'm that guy on the end of the phone, it takes a lot of confidence to say, Nope, definitely not us. I don't know what it is, but I don't care. What's that? <laughs> you saw a 747 fall into the ocean and people screaming and yelling and pulling their life jackets trying yeah. to survive? Nope, I'm looking at a spreadsheet <laughs> and there's no planes missing on the spreadsheet. All I'm saying is I've had a bunch of low responsibility, shitty jobs in my life. Yeah. And I was pretty bad at all of them and made mistakes every single day. Right. Uh, thankfully, working in a, a cafe or a place like that, the, the stakes are not too high. Um, all I'm saying is if yeah. I was in control of monitoring the locations of planes and then someone tells me we just saw a plane crash... <laughs> I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, tell me more. Kit working in that cafe, <laughs> customers were going up being like, uh, I ordered an Americano. Nope, pretty sure you ordered a vanilla latte. <laughs> I'm looking at my spreadsheet and no coffee is missing, so uh, I believe you're wrong. Uh, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. If one group of people heard screams and explosions <laughs> and witnessed something the size of a shamu drop into the ocean. And then another guy is saying, every light on my circuit board's green. I think you're mistaken, friend. It's like, I don't know, brother. I'm pretty convinced I saw something. Can you double check? Can you yeah. check again? Just to be sure. It's like the uh, the part earlier in this story where they're like, they're like, hey, uh, who's flying beside us? And they're like, nobody. And they're like, okay, <laughs> but... Right. Let's try again. Let's try again. I'll, I'll rephrase and we'll try again. So yeah. there is somebody flying beside me. So how about you figure out who that is? I don't want, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we might be straying into um, 
cover up territory. If you start saying that you saw something and the officials are starting to tell you, no, you didn't, you got to start watching your step because yeah. it sounds like you saw something that they didn't want you to see. That maybe you didn't want to see. And even the people who are recording things weren't even supposed to know about it. This is maybe the craziest and most interesting part of this entire story. As the boats drifted towards the site where the alleged crash took place in the water, they found themselves covered in a strange yellow foam floating on top of the surface. They said it was four to six inches thick. And to this day, no one knows what that foam is or where it came from. But the guys who touched the foam, <laughs> their skin dissolved and they turned into a skeleton. So the jury is still out. That, ha that can happen. The sea is a mysterious place. We don't know all, everything that goes on there. Maybe there is a sea foam that, that eats flesh. And we do know that it is a natural thing that the sea creates foam, but this sounds like it's distinctly different, maybe a bit different to normal sea foam. Yeah, I mean, we grew up on uh, the north coast of Northern Ireland. We're no stranger to sea foam. Yeah. Uh, a dangerous little thing as well, because uh, a lot of people die in it. What? How? Do they does it fly into their f***ing mouth and they because, choke? What do you mean? No, because it's like, you know, you can get like 20 inches of sea foam. Sure. To the point where where you, your body would be completely covered. But unlike water, you can't swim to the top of sea foam. If you're in the sea foam, you're in the sea foam. And you breathing is basically breathing in salt water. Hmm. Uh, you can't get any air. So people just die in the foam, thinking it's like, I'm going to run about into the foam, and they die. That's crazy. Yeah. No one told me that. It's pretty f***ed up. Yeah, because I ran into the foam. <laughs> okay, that's why you heard it and I didn't. <laughs> I heard it a good few <laughs> times. They, they resuscitated you on the beach. <laughs> They had to resuscitate me, and I basically became a human fire extinguisher, shooting foam out of my mouth like a cannon. Rory was starfished on the beach like Patrick from SpongeBob, just getting his heart resuscitated. Despite an extensive search, nothing else could be found that night, and the rescue was called off at 3 a.m. in the morning. Now, Kit, the RCC said that no aircraft, commercial or military, was missing, and there was no debris or bodies, or evidence of anything actually crashing into the water. So with that in mind, you'd think this case would, would die down pretty fast, huh? If it turned out, you guys were just mistaken. I don't, know nothing if, I don't know if hundreds of people seeing it counts as no evidence, but go off, King. But over the next few days, strangely, the small harbor of Shag would become of great interest to the military. A little weird if nothing actually crashed into the ocean. What are all these soldiers doing rolling into town? Military holiday. We're all taking our holidays all at once by the seaside. Yep, lovely shag harbor by the seaside. Why are you wearing your military fatigues if you're on holiday, sir? Classified. <laughs> this is my beach radioactive contamination suit. <laughs> <laughs> this is my summer wear. Yeah, hey, private, throw me that military <laughs> issue beach ball. <laughs> this 500 pound floating metal droid floats through the sky. <laughs> scanning the beach with a Geiger counter. <laughs> the locals are like, all right, well, good luck. We're going to go down and have a dip in the harbor. I wouldn't. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> nothing. Uh, nothing. Go ahead. Before you take a little dip in that harbor, when was the last time you told your wife you loved her? <laughs> Seems like a strange thing to bring up. You're right. You're right. You're right. Go, go ahead. I feel like I'm not going to go in the And God bless your son. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you're in for a world of pain. Uh, hey. A lot of crazy shit is about to go down in the tiny harbor of Shag. But before then, how about a quick word from today's sponsors? 
Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every now and then, Rory and I come across a podcast that we simply have to tell you about because we know that TPL listeners are gonna love it. That's why I'm so pleased to say that this episode is brought to you by The Luke and Pete Show. This is pretty cool because Luke and Pete are friends of ours and they just happen to also be podcast royalty. The Luke and Pete Show is one of the top-ranking podcasts in the UK comedy charts. Oh yeah, and if you thought this paranormal life is crazy and chaotic, this show has absolutely no rules. Unscripted, unplanned, unsupervised. I think the only rule is that it is technically, legally, a podcast. Every Monday and Thursday, Luke Moore and Pete Donaldson bring you the world's strangest stories. From Luke's belief in UFO conspiracy theories to Elon Musk's latest attempts to be cool. The Luke and Pete Show community is a broad church and everyone's welcome. I am personally highly invested in Pete's journey to importing a vintage Toyota Century limousine from Japan. I think last time I checked, he got the car and didn't have keys for it. So uh, I'm looking forward to what the next bad thing that happens is. Yeah, I don't know a lot about cars, but I think keys are pretty important to the whole machine. Right. Listen now wherever you get your podcast, The Luke and Pete Show, every Monday and Thursday. 
brother. I'm telling you, this is the wildest UFO story maybe I've ever come across in my life. If you feel so strongly about it, do you want to put money down right now on whether I will give this a yes? 100%. 100% I'll put money down on what <laughs> right, I'm, I'm a little scared at the level of crazy in Rory's eyes right now, so I am a bit worried about the amount of money we're about to exchange. All I'm going to say <laughs> is in the second half, I'm bringing on a guest, and he's three feet tall. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's a double yes. All right, let's... Uh, we're going to get lunch after this. Yeah. Lunch is on me if I have to give this a yes, if it's so irrefutable. Yeah. Lunch is on you if I give this a no in the end. Agreed. <laughs> nervous now <laughs> you're right. like shit i just realized it's a two-parter so technically there is no conclusion <laughs> we are heading into the wrap-up section actually i thought there was a little more here but it turns out i was writing this quite the rest late of at it night. was a dream the rest <laughs> of it was a dream i'll be honest most of what i've said so far was a dream too turns out the story was a pilot saw something out the window it was a goose and then i fell asleep and dreamed this up <laughs> A goose flew into his engine and the plane crashed. That's right, it was a plane crash. Within days, a regiment of specialist Navy divers from Fleet Diving Unit was dispatched to Shag Harbor to comb over every inch of the seafloor. The mission took three straight days. And when it was over, officially, the final report says that no trace of an object was ever found. <laughs> but unofficially, kid. Okay. Local diver David Kvet had been surveying the local floor of the harbor for years, and he wanted to investigate the scene for himself. And that's the great thing about an underwater crime scene. Very hard to keep people out. Yeah, very true. When examining the ocean floor around the scene of the crash, he noticed something strange. Depressions in the area, almost dense where the craft was supposed to have hit. He described the depression as a dinner plate, with the center being about a foot deep. He said, it was perfectly round, a perfect circle. Now that was already pretty strange, but what was even stranger wasn't the presence of the hole, but the absence of anything else. He said, where are the rocks, the plants? Where are the scallops, the lobsters, the silt? There was nothing. It was absolutely clear, like someone had swept it the day before. Hmm. Pretty crazy stuff. And a really interesting note, because if you were making up that story, that might not even be something that you would think of making up. The fact that it, there wasn't just a hole, there was nothing. It, mm -hmm. it seemed like a big net or something had come down and just swept the ocean floor. This is a tricky spot for us to be in. We're going down there, we're trying to find a star destroyer on the ocean floor. But not only are we not finding a star destroyer, we're finding... Even less than there should be. Yeah. A uh, bit of a bit of a curious bit of like anti-evidence. Yeah. You know, anytime we talk about these UFO stories, I know there's a lot of claims being thrown about here, but it is always interesting to acknowledge the fiction within sorry, sorry, slip of the tongue there. <laughs> okay. The fact, the fact <laughs> The fact within the story, the undisputable facts that are not made up, they weren't a dream. And I gotta say, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting hungry, and I just, I'm gonna let you finish the rest of the story, but I am gonna start queuing up lunch restaurants, <laughs> expensive ones too, for us to hit. I'm saying, what I'm saying is, there were divers that were sent here from the military that did spend three days down there combing the bottom of the ocean with trucks coming in and out. It was genuinely, this is a thing that happened. I'm not saying I'm not saying they found anything or there was anything. I'm saying that there are military records. It's just very funny to imagine the divers coming out every time and going, 
Ah, oh, still nothing. Still nothing. I can see <laughs> lorries, multiple lorries a day coming in and out of that harbor. I, I won't get into the details, but there were some claims that there was shit being moved from the site that was apparently supposed to be diving equipment, but was kind of radioactive. <laughs> That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. But look, because allegedly no evidence was found and the records show that no flight or aircraft was missing, this bizarre event at Shag Harbor was officially reported as, yes, a UFO incident where the object in question was of, quote, unknown origin. Mm -hmm. But the story didn't really live that long without any developments. It kind of died down even in the local news and around the, the local communities. So it's this weird thing where you have these people saying there was nothing. We didn't find anything. The report saying there was a crash of some kind and also claiming that it wasn't an aircraft and we don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. Whether they're saying, you know, that means it was a meteorite or that it was some, maybe not an aircraft, but a satellite or something. Uh, bizarre to claim that, but then also say that you didn't find anything when you searched the ocean. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a he said, she said going on between uh, the aviation authorities, innocent bystanders, and then the government and the Navy and so on. Yeah. Everyone saying slightly different, well, not just slightly, quite substantially different versions of the same thing. It's like the government coming out and saying, we did find a bullet hole caused by an extraterrestrial ray gun um, that obviously contains some sort of power that human beings cannot comprehend and will never achieve for millennia. But we didn't find a gun. We didn't find a gun, <laughs> right. so we don't think it happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, right, but you found like a lightsaber-esque searing gap in a piece of metal that looked like it was done from a tool from another galaxy. Sure, but where is it? Where is it if it exists? <laughs> I hate this guy. I, I hate this guy's attitude. I just know he's got a little smile on his face. Where, where is it then? Why don't you? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's so like, all right, well, where is it then? Where's your proof? It's like, well, okay, again, the, the hole is kind of the proof. It's like, yeah, but where's the gun? Where's the gun? Smoke and barrel, no gun. So what are you going to do about it, huh? Yeah, you're going to report to the police who, who report to me? Motherfucker. Huh? Yeah, nothing. That's what you're going to do. That's right. Nothing, as usual. <laughs> it's holstered to your belt. The gun is holstered to your belt right now. I can see it. He's like, shit. <laughs> On October 9th, five days after the mysterious object crashed, the UFO search was completely called off. But that's not even the end of our story, Kit, because we haven't left the Shire. Oh my, you gotta give it we're, up. We're starting the we journey now. We have to stop this. I demand, I demand that we stop this. Gandalf analogy. just showed us the ring. This is where the journey begins. Because Kit, while the government claims, or should I say clams, because we're by the fucking sea. I'm sorry, I'm getting really fired up now. I just, I just <laughs> need you. Have you seen the movies? Because leaving the Shire is within. So it's a, it's a trilogy for one. I didn't watch all. They're of all them. like three. Yeah, they're all like three hours long. Right. And leaving the Shire is, it is the first expositional five percent of the, of the trilogy. There is but it is like most vast, of the movies, vast, right? Vast, no, it's not. It's like the, the vast, whole vast, vast majority of the trilogy is very much out of the Shire. So okay. I like, just need but, you to but understand Mordor, that. though, that's like right at the edge of the Shire. And it's they're, not. Trying to, they're trying to get there. You must know that that's <laughs> not how the movies work. They live in Middle Earth. It's really big, actually, and Mordor's on the complete other end. We can't get into the details. Rory's eyes just glazed over while I was talking. He didn't take in any of that. <laughs> it turns out, Kit, that the government may have been a little more involved in this case than they led us to believe. It wasn't until years later that the public discovered that the nearby harmless 
Oceanographic Institute only 30 minutes away from where the UFO crashed was actually a secret US military base that was hidden for 25 years. Whenever you were saying harmless, I was so wondering where this is going. Okay, okay. Turns out it wasn't that harmless the whole time. Sure. Again, this is true. There was a secret military base 30 minutes from where this object crashed into the ocean. Hey, there's only a few things in life that are uh, as certain as death and taxes, the fact that bears shit in the woods, yep. and that the US military has outposts on every piece of land on Earth. Wherever you are, they are there too. Uh, this one was allegedly set up to monitor underwater frequencies for Russian submarines. Um, which, hey, you know, that's a that's one of those good excuses where it's kind of like if someone uncovers it and they're like, hey, you guys aren't recording dolphin migration. You're a secret military base. They can at least be like, hey, you caught us. But you know what we are doing there? Keeping America safe. Right. right, right. Is there a problem with that motherfucker that we're looking out for submarines that are trying to kill you? You're saying you're not a patriot? You're starting, to, you're starting to look like a little bit like a Russian submarine yourself. <laughs> exactly. If they get caught, they kind of have a good way to make people not angry at them. Yeah, sure. But since the event, and in the wake of this base being declassified, a ton of ex-military and government employees have come out with some pretty wild claims about the Shag Harbor UFO. Bill Bordeaux, who worked at the facility while it was classified, said, They picked up the crash here in the harbor almost as soon as it happened. A simple quote, but it tells a lot. Not only that there was a crash, but that whatever it was that was down there was picked up immediately by the government. Uh, picked up on radar, not physically lifted, right? No, it was taken. <laughs> it was brought to the base. <laughs> I think, I don't know, actually. I don't know, it could have been picked up on radar. Okay. But that's the thing. They either uh, had this base that, was, that knew a lot more than it did, or it was a base that was uh, looking out for submarines, and it just so happened to pick up the craft, right. which was a real good coincidence. Other ex-military members whose names have been hidden, they claim that once it submerged into the water, the object traveled 25 miles to a place called Government Point. <laughs> All right, no, not trying to hide itself whatsoever there. Right by the secret US military base. Mm. And while it was there, things only got stranger. What the divers told me simply was that uh, there was an operation at the mouth of Shelburne Harbor, and they held station on ships and dove over a period of one week over what was an apparent UFO on the bottom, and that it was uh, being assisted by a second craft that was somehow lending assistance to it. One of the expressions they used was that there was still activity going on down there. These men claimed to have been in the water and watched us at a fairly close range as they were placing cameras and sensors, etc. Uh, it's an incredible tale. Not only did they see objects down there, but they saw things as well. And you sort of have to leave that in your, to your own imagination as to what these things were. They're certain, or at least this particular diver is certain, that they were, weren't from here. Other military personnel that were at this operation in a support role have suggested that there was a great deal of tension in the operation between American and Canadian personnel. At one point, one of the officers felt it necessary to intervene at one of these discussions that was spilling out around the mess, and uh, he tried to contain it and tell the diver to keep the comments down and that, you know, they shouldn't be talking about the operation over the Russian sub. And to which the diver responded saying, I don't know what that goddamn thing is down there, but it's no submarine. It isn't anything from this planet. 
and like you can say whatever you want, but uh, we know what we're saying. Whoa, that guy is not dead. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. You know, in the movie uh, about this incident. That guy's going, I don't care what anyone says. That is not a submarine. That thing is not from this world. The general just takes out a gun, shoots him in the head. <laughs> anyone else got anything to say about what's down there? I didn't think so. Right, right. Or, or you know, he has a, there's a big scene where he's in the mess hall yelling about like, we need to tell people. We need the truth to come out. And then over the PA, it's like, uh, Colonel Walters, please report to the general's office immediately. And then the next day down at the barracks, they're like, uh, Walters, I bet they gave you a bollocking talking about the UFO. Walters has now a, a scar in the side of his head. Half of his, half of his head is shaved. Yeah, and he's like, no, it was I who was mistaken. It truly was a Russian submarine, and we would all be smart to remember that. He's got a British accent now. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't speak on that anymore, Alfred. <laughs> yeah. That part of my brain has been restricted. <laughs> Uh, pretty crazy stuff, Kit. What do you make of some of those stories about, uh, the military not only knowing about this object, not only interacting with this object, but some- they said it was down there with another craft for about a week. There is a lot to pick apart there. Um, this case is quite interesting in the sense that it I'll happened- I'll just say, uh, sorry, before you go any further, I think I'm gonna get, uh, chicken nuggets with my burger. Cause I know you're- I know you're buying lunch today. So yeah. I'm just telling you my order right now, just so that you you have it for when you buy me lunch at the end of the That's episode. That's cute so. that you think you're getting nuggets because um, my ass is gonna come down in a no, and I'm and you're taking me to Nobu. You're, you're we're going for yeah, that's right. We're going to Michelin starred. <laughs> we're bitch. going we're going to double Nobu. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is you better be careful because if you give it a double no out of spite, the people will know. They'll be able to tell. <laughs> they will, they will. And the paranormal nation will not be kind to an investigator that throws a case under the bus for a free dinner. All right, you don't have to warn me. I, I can't be bought for nuggets. Okay. It's happened before, but it won't happen again. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying about the, the secret team of underwater divers who spent seven weeks excavating, salvaging an alien craft. I think they, they said it was one week. What did I say? Seven weeks. <laughs> I meant seven days, one week. Seven days, one week. Sorry, there's too much truth and information out there that I'm just overwhelmed. What I was saying was, it's interesting that this happened on joint Canadian and American uh, jurisdiction. I Very mean, interesting. Really, it is just Canadian jurisdiction, but America likes to weigh in on these things because it's, it is somewhat believable that we end up with whistleblowers in that case because America might be like, we need to shut this shit down. Canada's like, we don't fucking care. Like, you're not our boss. Yeah. And they're like, well, we kind of are. Well, you're kind of not. And you get this contradiction. And so for kind of bigger political diplomatic reasons, you could have a situation where Canadian whistleblowers are coming out and saying some things about this and the USA side can't really stop them from doing that. Yeah. Um, in the same way, they might be able to cover up quite cleanly something like Roswell. Yeah, yeah, because they have total full control over it. I yeah. mean, what we're talking about hypothetically is a secret US base as well. So at this time, it's not even supposed to exist in Canadian territory. There's a lot of weird muddiness there that means that jurisdiction is going to be... It's like, you know, in the those action movie scenes where it's like the policeman is handling the situation and it's like, FBI, we'll take it from here. And then the CIA mm. show up and they're like, not so fast, CIA, we'll take it from here. Yeah. And then some dude comes down in a helicopter giving the president a piggyback and he's like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, we'll take it from here. <laughs> right. You know, there's always these higher levels and it's kind of... You don't know who's in control of what situation 
And as you can tell the people in this story, they're not there yet. They're squabbling, they're leaking secrets. They're trying to work together, but it isn't happening. Multiple people who claim that they worked at this site said that while the craft was there, the uh, US and the Canadian governments were planning this salvage operation when, as you heard, uh, a second UFO at some point got involved that seemed like it was there to render aid to the first. Okay. And uh, after the events of the week, both crafts disappeared up. <laughs> so nothing was ever taken or what? salvaged from them. What they, do you mean taken up? They went up. Sorry, sorry. So I feel like we're... I feel like we have left the Shire and we've run across Middle Earth. Yeah, we skipped a bunch of that middle shit. We're in Mordor now. <laughs> yeah, that's how I thought that was going to go. So, <laughs> so you're saying that not only did a UFO crash, it was mm -hmm. investigated for a week. Yep. And then, what, a f***ing mothership came and lifted it? Maybe not a mothership, maybe a baby ship. Maybe and another, another ship came and they left up. Just gave it some space fuel and they were like, all right, this has been fun. And then... You have to understand that's up. a lot for it. Like, we've spent 45 minutes detailing the arrival of one craft. Some and now you've just spiced in a second one. And then they both left with no trace. Well, Kit, we talk about a second craft coming down from the sky, but... There is another explanation, one that I don't know if we've talked about on this podcast before, which is instead of talking about a UFO, uh -huh. could we possibly be talking about a USO, huh? an unidentified submerged object? Okay. This is a real thing. It doesn't come up as much because people look up in the sky a lot more than they do look down into the ocean. Okay. Uh, but USOs, it's an actual classification, of course. As I said, stands for Unidentified Submerged Object. And there are events and stories in the past where objects have come out of the ocean and gone up or objects have come down from the sky and interacted with objects that appear to be in the ocean. I mean, I have to say, we've never really talked about that much on the podcast, but it, it kind of tracks, doesn't it? That if you were some kind of, you know, let's just say aliens from another planet, you're trying to go unnoticed here on Earth, you're probably going to be noticed a lot faster in the air than compared to in the ocean, where, you know, you know what they always say, the ocean is 98% lettuce or something. Like, it's we don't, don't know what's down there. Like, <laughs> lettuce is water... The ocean, we don't know what's going on. Something like that. Combination of those things. I think it's, you're, you're paraphrasing very much because that really doesn't make any sense. Um, we don't know what's down there. We, we don't, don't know, know what's down, down there. there. That's true. I believe the quote is something like, we know more about the the galaxies and the stars and the universe than we do about our own ocean. Right. Because uh, it's pretty dark down there. And I know it there's is. like no light in space or whatever the fuck. I don't, I don't know. But uh, down there, it's actually, some lights. it's actually pretty salty. And it's hard to breathe. And as a guy who's drowned multiple times in sea foam, I know how dangerous that shit can be. It's worse than space. There's a really good uh, joke in an episode of Futurama where they are in a spaceship that gets dragged to the bottom of the ocean. And uh, they eventually get so deep down that they're like, we've just hit like 20,000 atmospheric pressures. Yeah, yeah. And one of the crew asks like, oh my God, how many how many atmospheric pressures can the ship withstand? And he's like, well, it's a spaceship, so one. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, uh, I don't know a lot about science. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a marine biologist. I'm not even a fucking dolphin. But I do know that the deeper you get, uh, water pressure is a real thing. Mm. Uh, you will be crushed. I don't even know how they get some of that stuff so low down into the water without it just being squeezed into a two-dimensional object. It's crazy. Yeah, ask uh, James Cameron. Yeah. 
I will just say I'm so relieved that Rory chose Lord of the Rings as his analogy for this case and not, not Avatar. Avatar 2. <laughs> uh, look, when talking about this case, it's worth saying that a lot of people compare it to one of the most convincing and compelling UFO encounters of the last 100 years, which was, of course, the Tic Tac UFO incident that took place in as early as 2004. Uh, Kit, if you don't know this one, I assure you, you do. It's the uh, video footage that was leaked pretty recently uh, where then the military had to come out and be like, ah, f all right, yeah, you got us. This is real. Mm. Where it's basically footage from a military plane of an unidentified flying object doing some crazy shit. Crazy maneuvers, stopping in midair, rotating, uh, absolutely batshit crazy stuff. But what people don't know from watching that video is that during that whole encounter, at one point, the craft descended 40,000 feet to the surface of the ocean. What? And what Commander David Fravor said happened next could link this incident to the sighting at Shag Harbor. You watched it for more than five minutes. Mm -hmm. You saw it as close as anybody got, and it was doing something really strange over a disturbance in the water. Yes. Was there something in the water? We don't know. So here's what it is. I'll say, what drew us to it is there was, it was a perfectly calm blue ocean day, no white caps, and there was white water. The white water was kind of in the shape of, you can call it a cross, but about the size of a 737. So if you take a 737, drop it, you look at it from the top and point it to the east and we're down to the south of it. And the Tic Tac was moving around that white water. So we didn't see if there was something below the surface. We just know there was something causing that water to break over the top of it. As if it was docking or interacting with don't know. something. We, you know, I don't we know. first came back, so what was it doing? Was it trying, was it, was it interacting? Because obviously we talked, when we turned around, we couldn't find the disturbance in the water anymore. It was gone. So, you know, normally if it's a real seamount, it's going to be there until, you know, God removes it. So in this case, I go, we said, you know, it, well, was it communicating? I don't know. I really don't know, but it could have been. I really like uh, that guy's manner of speaking. It's great, it, isn't it? It's, uh, it's really like he's just discussing a new golf course he tried out at the weekend with his buddies. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we had never been down that way, and, and we just thought, well, heck, we'll just try it out. And, uh, and you know, and Johnny, he, he, he played a, a, great, a great round and, and, and got a birdie. C comparing <laughs> that to um, our usual course, it's, it's yeah. like very matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's kind of like your dream uh, UFO witness. Yeah. Where it's like, for some reason, I mean, he, maybe he's worked in the military so long, nothing can fry his brain anymore. Yeah, yeah. He's just so used to it. But uh, yeah, I do appreciate the honesty and the calmness of just being like, look, this is what I saw. Something came up from the water, uh, even on a clear day. We don't know what it was. Kind of looked like it was interacting. We don't know. We don't say it enough on this podcast that there is so much to be said for saying, I don't know. 100%. When someone asks you, you know, did this happen? To not speculate and go, maybe, but to say, I don't know. I, 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 I'm just telling you what I saw. What I think I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah because as soon as you go, listen, brother, <laughs> it happened. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. You start pushing people away uh, by putting up walls. What you need to do is be honest and, and have this approach to it. And uh, I think this case is interesting because, I mean, me personally, that, the video, the Tic Tac video, if you haven't seen or read about that shit yet, you should. Because, uh, hey, I watched Aerial Phenomenon with Kit. I've yep. investigated a lot of UFO stories. Uh, that is the video that I'm like, I would show anyone if you want to be like, all right, but what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, explain this. This is it's, it's a good test to see uh, how people react to it because if you say you don't believe in UFOs or you think that it's all bullshit, you kind of show them that and you go, well, 
do you think you're smarter than the government? Because the government said they don't know what it is. <laughs> right. You know. And it's one of these things where someone could go, yeah, well, the video is obviously fake. And it's like, it's not. Yeah, like right. the, the Pentagon came out and they were like, yeah, which is funny because I thought that that video was just declassified to just be like, hey, we're trying to be more open uh, with this stuff. We want the public to be kind of clued in on what we're discovering. The video was stolen and then leaked on the Internet. Right. Uh, way before it was released to the public. So the public kind of forced their hand a little bit. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it, isn't it? That I think the way that information is disseminated in the 21st century, we're a little bit numb to stuff happening, right? Like, I think a lot of people out there somewhat believe in UFOs, but what we're all waiting for, isn't it, is the big moment like in Independence Day or the big moment in the paranormal movie where the guy comes on the TV, we're interrupting your normal prog programming for this emergency broadcast. They have landed. You know, we're all waiting for that moment. Yeah. But like, what you just described is that moment. Like, someone it leaked been it. a video of a UFO and the government had to come out and admit that it's real and they don't know what it is. And like, that was the moment. But we're, you know, it was just like, cool, that's news for five minutes. And then we're going to move on to talk about the Kim Kardashian's latest runway look or whatever. Yeah. Um, we're just so numb to it. Yeah. It's kind of like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Uh, I still have to pay rent, though. Yeah. I do have to pay rent. So I'm going to go to my job. Uh, and do work and then I don't know maybe order a pizza because I have to eat as well I mean e even look at us like we've we are paranormal investigators making a show every single week we haven't even properly talked about it because everyone's kind of like kicking back waiting for more to happen and it's hard it's it's you know bystander syndrome you don't want to be the guys just being right. like why isn't everyone making a big deal of this? We need to be on the streets. We need to rally people yeah, up. Yeah, the yeah, truth yeah, yeah. is out there. Tinfoil hats on. But honestly, this case is doing it for me. This, I mean, it's important to talk about that story because, you know, the most realistic and believable UFO story in the last 100 years that has video footage also contained a craft going down to the ocean and interacting with something. I mean, it's crazy to hear that from the guy who saw the UFO and then investigate this other story where we have a USO, whether that was a craft that did crash because we, we heard the pilots say that there were explosions in the sky before it came down, or if there was a craft interacting with something below the waters that was already there, we don't know. But all I'm saying is it's pretty goddamn rich to sit here and tell those people, the lovely shaggers of Shag Harbor, that nothing came down and hit that water that night. When you've got that many witnesses, when you've got a military team of divers spending several days at the bottom of the ocean, right beside a declassified secret government base, there's a lot of shit going on here. There was one article that I read uh, that uh, said, I think it was a newspaper clipping, that uh, the quote was, it's a hard day for the skeptics. <laughs> and I hard think, day for the haters. <laughs> it's a, I think that's the takeaway from this case. This is a hard one for the skeptics. If you look into this, read the testimonies, look at the evidence, it's pretty hard to say that nothing happened here. But Rory, I think the problem is here, less what did or didn't happen, did something happen or nothing happen. Mm -hmm. But to bring up another contemporary case, I don't know how much you've seen about this, but there's an incredibly relevant one that just unfolded in the last uh, month or so. Uh, it all started, I mean, we're going to have to break all this down in an after party or a bonus episode or something. There's a lot to talk about. But lately... There's been, you know, it's all started with the Chinese spy balloon. The The cliff notes of this is the balloon was spotted. They shot it down. They figured out it was a spy balloon. What Biden and the government did in response was they said, okay, we're going to need to keep a better eye out for these things. We're going to crank up the sensitivity of our like <laughs> national uh, radar detection stuff. 
shit hit the fan. They were like, <laughs> we are dripping in UFOs. Uh, yeah. There were just hundreds of objects everywhere. Uh, and it turned out that there was a couple of, they very, very quickly started identifying truly UFOs, uh, one over Alaska, one on the East Coast. And they were like, we've looked into them. They're not weather balloons. They're not affiliated with uh, Chinese government, whatever. The one in Alaska, they end up flying up to it. This is only like two weeks ago. They're not flying up to it, shooting it down to try and figure out what it is. It was traveling at like 30,000 feet, 40,000 feet, whatever it was. The pilots described it as being octagonal. So not a balloon. It has eight solid sides and being uh, the size of, uh, I think, a, a car or two cars. <laughs> they shoot it down and it crashes on the somewhere in the Alaskan wilderness. And then, much like in your story, they spend the next couple of weeks trying to locate it. But and although it sounds really unbelievable, I did read this whole article about it. And they said, if you think we're lying, you have no idea how big Alaska is. Like, this is really... It's, right, it's yeah. almost impossible. And they had to give up. They were like, they're like, we're pretty sure it's fine. And it, <laughs> and it wasn't a plane and it wasn't like a spy balloon, uh, but we can't find it. So we'll, we'll never know. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. Which is convenient. Um, so unbelievably similar in the sense that something went down. Something went down that day. Yeah. The government says, <laughs> we can't find it slash it's nothing. And the rest of us are just sitting back wondering what the f*** happened. I think if it was just the crash into the ocean, um, then hell, you could say maybe it was some sort of spy plane or some some technology that, that was, wasn't was uh, declassified just yet, some sort of secret technology. But some of those testimonies, I didn't even include all the testimonies of the people on the ground, in planes, on the boat that saw strange flashing lights, this huge, this huge object, silent explosions, uh, a lot of weird, weird shit that uh, sounds like it isn't something uh, that humans could build. But aliens? Hell yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Is that your conclusion? Definitely. <laughs> aliens? Hell yeah. All right, look, 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 I'm not going to dance around it anymore. I think it's pretty clear to the audience where old Rory's coming down on this case. Because... I've been awakened. My passion as a paranormal investigator has been rekindled by this case. I remember why we started. This is my f***ing Ratatouille moment where I read this case, the camera goes into my eyes, and I remember uh, buying my first Neuralizer. I remember why I started this journey as a fresh-faced young student at Harvard Paranormal. So I'm excited to say that this week it's going to be a yes from me. Kit, get your wallet out. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're about to buy me dinner, baby. On this week's episode of This Paranormal Life, I am coming down on a no. You son of a bitch! <laughs> you son of a bitch! You, you've been turned. <laughs> you're one of them. I love that. You. <laughs> <laughs> like f***ing Scar in Lion King or some shit. You. Uh, I, I think I Unbelievable. can- I can defend this. I can defend this. Uh, coward, liar, thief, criminal, MIB, scoundrel. You've hey. been turned, you're corrupt. Give me back your tinfoil hat. Give me back your paranormal investigator badge. I think this Horse is a, I think this is a great one to get the uh, to get the audience hopefully stirred up and maybe they can let us know what they think who's right and who's wrong. Well, it's a great way for us to identify the government agents hidden in our audience because uh, it'll be all the no's. So that'll be pretty cool. We can figure out uh, who they are and then put them at the bottom of Shag Harbor. 
But you have to understand that uh, I agree. I don't understand anything. Not anymore. After the the this multiple case. witnesses seeing it go down, compelling. Yeah. The pilots, uh, the whistleblower, the pilot seeing it, of course, compelling. The whistleblowers who claim to have seen it underwater and said that it is quote not of this world technology they haven't seen before. I'm not saying that that isn't. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not close, or that I could have, uh, to be honest, gone either way. You're saying a lot. But compared to many of the UFO cases we've studied before, there is a line, isn't there, of there's a difference between something definitely crashing, something definitely going down, something definitely being extremely advanced technology, but there is a line between saying that is uh, aliens or not. Um, so blue explosions in the sky, six inches of yellow mysterious foam, I mean, secret government bases and military, I mean, everything foam, that's fine. Foam it? could be like, yeah, a ship went down and it leaked rocket fuel and created toxic foam i i i i'm honestly blindsided by this i i cannot believe it we do cases all the time where people are abducted probed spanked their asses <laughs> dropped into the wilderness and they're covered in radioactive goo and we still give those nose sometimes uh, yeah but that our... dude's name is dykel and he <laughs> eats mushrooms for breakfast lunch and dinner our witnesses today was the captain of a plane, the captain of a ship, the police, and military officials. I mean, to, to be honest, even what we talk about with what's going on in the news at the moment, I think that makes it all the more interesting and fascinating and relevant and timely. But honestly, it might even be muddying my head for what's going on, because what's going on in the world right now is there's, there's weirdly right now tons of UFOs even being shot down, unable to be found, or taken away or lost. And so <laughs> it's like an everyday occurrence right now that we're left with this question of when is a UFO alien or when is a UFO of this world? So what are you saying? Then? If you're saying this is a no, what, what are you saying happened at Shag Harbor? Oh, because you don't believe Captain Nickerson. It sounds like something went on. It sounds like it sounds like a craft went down. It sounds like there's no question that a craft went down. Some an kind alien of craft? advanced technology. An alien craft? <laughs> no UFO. <laughs> Sorry. An identified one. An unidentified one. Um, unidentified as in we don't know what galaxy it came from. But how do we know? Sorry. Like this is a real question to you. How do we know that it, it that it was aliens? What what is that bit? I mean, you could say that about any UFO case that we ever. A, a fucking diamond could come down, shoot a laser at someone that turns their t-shirt into bees. And you could go, I could be the Russians. How do we know it's alien? Well, it's know. pretty weird, man. <laughs> it's pretty fucking bizarre. I think that's safe enough to say no one on earth is doing that shit. The bee cannon. You know, uh, on a recent bonus episode, we were recapping, you know, what has been my recent, uh, Ratatouille spark back into UFO belief, sure. which was aerial phenomenon and so on. Way less um, convincing story. <laughs> Way less convincing, I'll the, say. The witnesses described shadow men moving in slow motion, wearing materials that looked like running water. You know, and, and I think you still gave that a no, that that wasn't aliens. <laughs> So you have to understand that, that yeah, there is, uh, the there, there's lines, there's lines the we cross The divers saw things not from this world underneath the ocean. Apparently when the second craft came and went into recovery mode, remember what I said? Both crafts went up. I had a bit of a problem with that bit. Uh, <laughs> all in it because we kind of glossed over all that, which seemed to be the kind of craziest bit of all. Uh, I can't believe this. This is the most we've argued at the end of a case, which is really, really I'm great furious! stuff. Well done. Kit wants a dinner so bad he's willing to ignore paranormal evidence 
to get it. To be fair, the bet was uh, slightly ruined um, because we didn't get a double yes or a double no. Yeah, well, I hope you enjoy your lunch, buddy, because it's on me and it's a six foot shit sandwich. Oh, mamma mia. Hey, well done. A fantastic uh, case. Yeah, was it though? <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm so angry now. All right, I need a little, we're going to have to do a poll, poll or something. <laughs> I am barely being able to contain my rage here. <laughs> I feel like I'm putting on a brave face, but it's slipping through. It's slipping through the cracks, honestly. You're, you're not putting on a brave face. It's so visible. I feel like I'm being a professional. I'm not letting anyone know how angry I am. There but is, genuinely, at my core, I'm boiling. There is something very funny about you staying up all night to research it and then me still giving it a no. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, it's almost like it wasn't worth it. Come on, man. <laughs> it, it was it, it, especially because you said a lot of the shit that ruined it was all the stuff at the end that I stayed up extra late to do. You know, so that's right. kind of sucks. It sucks to hear. <laughs> that's right, right. Because yeah. that's when the sun was rising, and I was like, "This is the bit. That's this really is the bit that's going to get him across the line." Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if I just stopped it, the ship going into the water, you might have said it was all fine. You might have said it was paranormal. Oh, can't take that back. Can't take anything back. Now that's done. Um, so I guess do you want to do something else. Do you want to do conclusions, or are we are we done those? Or so you want to shout out the podcast or do? I don't give. A you f are bringing the energy down, and like it yeah. just it, it like it is such a good case. And this paranormal life is never has never been about whether it's a yes or a no. Like the cases are good in their own right. So I think we can still you can still hold your head up high and like enjoy the spoils of like an amazing episode that everyone enjoyed listening to. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just witnessed a pivotal moment. <laughs> okay. Because what I'm about to do is get a piece of chalk and draw a line down the commune. One side is, is Rory world. One side is Kit world. Choose your side, motherfuckers. Do you want to join the believers on Rory's side? Or do you want to join Kit's side? And yeah, the sides are a little w wiggly. I didn't draw it right down the middle. So Kit's side- Because you were furious. <laughs> Kit's side is a little bigger than Rory's side. <laughs> right. And the line, his his corner does contain, the, you know, the bathrooms and the dining hall and all that shit. And mine is just the lavatories, um, the sewage disposal facilities, and a lot of the stuff that isn't that nice to be around. Too, yeah. But what matters is this is our fucking civil war. <laughs> And by that, I mean Marvel's Civil War. Okay. Not, not the American one or any country's one. This is this is Cap versus Iron Man, and you have to pick a side. Are you are you a believer? Are you are you are you a government? I've agent? never believed more in oh, UFOs sorry. in my life. I've never I think I think we're I think oh, we're oh. For, for for what it's worth, I think we're entering I'm gonna put it out there, manifest right now. Yeah. I think with everything that's going on in 2023, I think we're entering a, a golden age, brother, a golden age of UFO sightings and UFO understanding. I, I'm here for it. I think you're entering the goddamn Pentagon every <laughs> every morning at 9 a.m. to check right. into your desk. We gotta, we gotta wrap this <laughs> I'm just so angry! Uh, 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 f***ing, if you like videos, watch these videos. We're shooting them all. If you really like the show, go on Patreon. There's a bunch yeah, of stuff on Patreon right, you let's can slow get. It down. YouTube.com forward slash... Doesn't this paranormal life. Doesn't search, search this paranormal life what does on anymore? YouTube. It does matter. So subscribe if you want to see videos. So some of the funniest moments. You can watch Rory's heartbreak in 4K over on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, whenever I came down on that conclusion. Um, Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. There's some rewards if you want them. We also do shout outs, which, oh, we're, which we're going to do yeah. now. All the links to everything. Social, YouTube, man. Patreon Just, are gotta, in the description uh, of this episode. Do the shout outs, man. I got to get out of here. All right, I will. Okay. 
Sorry, just uh, sorry. It takes me a second and just loading them up. It's kind of awkward sitting in silence though, so uh, yeah, I'll have to cut this out. Where do you want to go for lunch? Uh, I'm I'm not even hungry to be honest. <laughs> so. There is a cap, three okay. pounds. That's the most you're getting. <laughs> you're gonna I'll get, get you a meal, meal deal. deal. I'll get you a meal deal, and that's all you're gonna get. Thanks to David Farinaccia. Thanks, David. <laughs> oh who's, come, who's on. <laughs> come on! Come on! Come <laughs> on! <laughs> Imagine these people get the worst shout outs because I'm so grumpy. Thanks, David. Who's next? No, David, wait, we thank can't you. Leave there. Yeah, yeah, David, David, th David, thank you. <clears throat> uh, David, pick a side, mother. Uh, okay. Pick a side. Yeah, and thank you for being part of the commune. You're a valued member. And yeah. But one side shall win and one side shall perish. Okay, I'm going to treat you normally, so maybe you okay. want to be on my side. <laughs> David, uh, he's not going to believe in you. That's for sure. <laughs> If you ask him for anything, he's going to give you a double no. So just bear that in mind, David, when you're picking a side in the commune. Thank you also, and lastly for today, to Tim Smith. Tim Smith, are you a blacksmith? Because the Rory side of the commune is low on tools. Low on tools and weapons and anything made of metal, because the way I drew the line, it's small. It's small over here. I basically drew a circle around myself, and the rest of it is apparently kit You can land. redraw the line. I, I don't not, want to. I don't have that it's, it's big out of, of a principle problem with now. you. <laughs> and now that I've got a blacksmith on my side, I'm just going to say... Sleep with one eye open, baby. <laughs> what? Just be careful. Because the, the Roranites are going to attack. I'm, maybe you haven't finalized that name yet. The Rorians? The Rorians, I like that. The Rorians? We're an angry bunch. You've riled us up. We're the kittens. We're a bit <laughs> cuter that way. I cannot wait to see the form that this civil war takes. Uh, maybe we'll do a poll over on socials. Nice um, idea. Or post about it in the Secret Society on Facebook, where we have a great community of fans. Um, we also have a Reddit as well. I always forget to shout out the Reddit, the This Paranormal Life Reddit. There's a bunch of great people over there uh, talking about the weekly episodes. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for this week's... Wow, that could have been a two-parter. That was an extravaganza. Uh, I hope you enjoyed <laughs> could it. Could have been a trilogy. <laughs> Just watch it, all right? I was making a nice joke. I, I wasn't know, making fun of you. Don't shoot my puppy in the back of the head and then make a little <laughs> joke about it. All right, that's all I'm going to say. It's just like, I'm actually pretty upset right now and I'm feeling, feeling pretty down. And you're making light of the situation, okay? You're just hungry. You're just hungry. And I appreciate you didn't Let's make too many jokes about Shag Harbor or the Nickerson or mm -hmm. Colonel Pound. <laughs> but if you're going to say no, then I draw the line to making fun of the case. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say. Maybe we'll see you guys next week. I haven't decided oh yet. Oh my God. <laughs> this might be the end, honestly. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I need to cool off. I need like a snack and something. Just... To... <clears throat> We, uh, um, we actually have to record another episode today, so that would be a problem really? after huh. lunch. Yeah, huh. And that's uh, your episode, am I right, bud? <laughs> it is. Yeah, we're yeah. recording one of your episodes yeah, 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 yeah. after lunch. That's good to know. That's good to know. Hope it's believable. You've perked up. Because I'm perked feeling up since pretty I told you skeptical that. today, <laughs> coincidentally. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes down. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back with After Parties bonus episodes. And of Woo. course, we'll be back next Tuesday for another Paranormal Tale. We love you, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye! Every now and then, Rory and I come across a podcast that we simply have to tell you about because we know that TPL listeners are gonna love it. That's why I'm so pleased to say that this episode is brought to you by 
the Luke and Pete show. This is pretty cool because Luke and Pete are friends of ours and they just happen to also be podcast royalty. The Luke and Pete show is one of the top ranking podcasts in the UK comedy charts. Oh yeah, and if you thought this paranormal life is crazy and chaotic, this show has absolutely no rules. Unscripted, unplanned, unsupervised. I think the only rule is that it is technically, legally a podcast. Every Monday and Thursday, Luke Moore and Pete Donaldson bring you the world's strangest stories. From Luke's belief in UFO conspiracy theories to Elon Musk's latest attempts to be cool. The Luke and Pete Show community is a broad church and everyone's welcome. I am personally highly invested in Pete's journey to importing a vintage Toyota Century limousine from Japan. I think last time I checked, he got the car and didn't have keys for it. So uh, I'm looking forward to what the next bad thing that happens is. Yeah, I don't know a lot about cars, but I think keys are pretty important to the whole machine. Right. Listen now wherever you get your podcast, The Luke and Pete Show, every Monday and Thursday.